Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And yet another game day edition, the 7th of March edition of Flyers Daily with a special guest. And welcome to your Saturday edition, March 7th edition of Flyers Daily, and yet another game day edition. Now we bring this man out on the biggest of occasions. He is uh, the king. He is the man. It is Bill Meltzer joining us on Flyers Daily. Bill, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Jason. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing good. You're doing well. Flyers fans are doing really well, but none of us doing as well as the guys wearing those orange and black jerseys. Yeah, for sure. I mean, right now, everything's kind of clicking on all cylinders, all systems go, and uh, it's, you know, it's a lot of fun right now. It, it really is a lot of fun. Now, Bill, we're going to start with this episode with you is uh, with a term called organizational depth. While Oscar Lindblom, who was the team's leading scorer when he unfortunately went out uh, dealing with the Ewing sarcoma treatments right now, and our prayers and thoughts are with Oscar, fist pump in the air. And then you have Nolan Patrick, your second overall pick of a couple of years ago, coming into his third year where he, you know, he was poised to take a really big step and, and got insulated a little bit with Kevin Hayes signing as a, as a third-line center. He has yet to get his skates on the ice in a regular season game. And now you lose James Van Riemsdyk, but you have Joel Faraby at the disposal. The general manager, even before the JVR injury, went and made a couple of really savvy moves at the deadline. And this team is running on all cylinders. I mean, the depth on this team is really astounding, and it's not even just at the NHL level. It's an organizational level. No, absolutely. I mean, you can look up and down the farm system. It's, uh, you know, uh, the, the Flyers that haven't had to rush Morgan Frost up to the NHL. He's been able to get a couple games in, in the National League, but kind of work his way in. Joel Faraby, you know, went down briefly. Now he's back up again with uh, JVR's injury. But, you know, they've been able to bring along their young players and um, – you know, you, you can't say enough about the job that Chuck Fletcher did with the veteran veteran additions that he's made. Um, and you can't say enough about the job that Elaine Vigneault has done, too. I mean, they're rolling four lines every night, rolling their D pairs. And, um, you know, as we said on the top, everything everything is clicking. I mean, the, the right now, other teams don't know who to match up against. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, as I said, it's really it's really a nice thing to see. Use the term organizational depth. I mean, the uh, Flyers' bottom six guys, you know, are... are Many nights they're, you know, they're contributing, you know, and the Flyers lead the league in scoring from the blue line. Um, so even though maybe the Flyers don't have a guy near the top of the league individually in scoring, you know, the, the Flyers are, are, are clicking offensively, and that is 100% through depth. Yeah, and that's a sum of all parts mentality, which is also goes back to Vino. But you mentioned Vino. You mentioned the moves that Chuck Fletcher made both in the offseason and during this season. And, you know, you look at those things and – you say, look at the job that this general manager has done. Now, he came into a situation that was a pretty good situation. There was a great foundational uh, core of youth players here, more coming. But he had to do things to supplement that. And it seems like every move that Chuck Fletcher's made has really turned out great. Maybe some people didn't like that Niskanen move because you're looking at a guy, well, maybe he's a little bit older. Is he losing it? You know, we retained some salary from uh, from Radko Gudis, who, by the way, was prior to that Flyers game, scratched for three yeah. games as a healthy scratch. But you look at that move, you look at the Elaine Vigneault hiring, and boy, this general manager in his first real year here in Philadelphia with an offseason has not just hit a home run. He's hit a grand slam. Oh, no, no question about it. The, the Kevin Hayes signing. I mean, where, where would this team have been without Kevin Hayes, sort of, you know, without having Patrick this season? That's been, that's been huge. Niskanen, both performance-wise and leadership-wise, has been tremendous. The ability to, to slot guys properly in the lineup. 
Um, you know, uh, a really underrated addition has been Tyler Pitlick. He's been tremendous in the in that well, mostly third line role recently. And and you know, just just smart additions like Derek Grant at the deadline. Um, there's a guy who has now now 15 goals, 14 before he came here, one with the Flyers, five points in four games, and that's a guy who's this year was kind of an approve me contract, making the minimum. Um, obviously he won't be making the minimum next year, but uh, that's uh, that was a really really astute addition. You didn't have to give up very much for him either. Those are just those. You know, sometimes it's those under under the radar moves that, that are the ones that really work out for you over, over the season. And um, you know, I, it's really exciting to see the the mix of veterans and, and youth on the team. And I mean, that's been you know, it's been I mean, you know, having success is you know, listen, it's two thirds good design, one third good luck. Um, Flyers have had a, pretty much good luck with injuries in terms of blue line injuries. They've been pretty healthy, other than Gossip Bear's injury. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think that the the way that the roster was put together with a, a focus on, first of all, improving Team D, that's been a huge area of improvement, and also pairing up Carter Hart with Brian Elliott in goal, that's really clicked as well. Yeah, and that's something you and I have talked, Bill. That was something that I was beating the drum for over the summer to bring yeah. Brian Elliott back, not as a, a backup, but as a 1B because he still has that ability. But let's talk about that defensive core because so much of goaltending is, is a product of its environment. But your three pairings right now defensively is something that uh, the Flyers have a big strength in. When you look at your, your third pairing of, uh, you know, Braun and having a guy like Robert Hagg who's back there playing great right now, that's certainly something that gives you a lot of depth there as well. And Provorov's playing off the charts. Uh, you know, being able to have a third pair that the Flyers can use 18 minutes a night so they're not having to, to roll Niskanen and especially Provorov 24, 25, 27 minutes a night, you know, as they've had to do some games this year, that that really bodes well heading heading into the later part of the stretch drives and in the playoffs. We all know those nights are going to come. You know, the um, they're going to lean heavily on their best players, as all teams do in the playoffs. But to be able to have a, a third pair that you can send out there regularly that's um, – taking care of business on their own end of the ice, delivering some physical play, blocking shots, killing penalties, even chipping in the odd goal or two. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that, that's, what, that's what you need. And it, it comes back to being able to slot guys properly. You have the, uh, the Sanheim and Myers pairs really been taking off for the mm. really since the All-Star break. And, um, you know, the, the top pairing it just provides so much stability. Uh, when they do have the rare odd bad player, the odd bad night, They've been bouncing right back, and that's uh, you know, that's been a characteristic characteristic of the whole team. If uh, you know if there is some adversity, they they've been pulling through it, and it, it shows up in the record. Bill, one of the guys, and you look at Ivan Provorov, and boy, he's got goals in back to back games, and his game, he just looks so dialed in. But you mentioned Sanheim and Myers, and I'm trying to rack my brain. I've been doing this for a couple of days, trying to rack my brain to remember when there were two defensemen on any team that could skate like. Olympic speed skaters, but also have a good stick and, and, and good hockey sense. Not to mention Phil Myers has the, the heaviest shot on the team. I mean, that pairing so much potential. It's starting to reach some potential, but I think there's a ton more still even there. Well, I agree. And, you know, you can see where some of that growth is taking place. There, there was a play, I think it was in the third period of the Carolina game. Um, Sandheim skated the puck out of danger. He was under a lot of a lot of pressure, and he showed a lot of poise getting it up to one of the forwards. And all of a sudden, the Flyers had a had a rush going the other way. If that would have been Sanheim as a rookie, even second year, feeling that pressure, I think Travis might have turned that one over. 
you can see the maturity, you can see the confidence. And that's, you know, that, that, that's a process that takes some time. And sometimes there are backward steps. You know, now you're, now you're starting to see the two guys blossom. And I, and I do think they're both for real. Um, you know, we're talking about guys that are having great years in their, a great year in their younger years, Proveroff, Sandheim, Myers, all those guys. But another guy up front, one of the younger guys, uh, you know, savvy move to get him in the, in the NHL draft in the 2015 draft was Travis Konechny. He's equaled his last two-year goal total at 24. He's going to surpass it. Um, but, but again, this, this is a player in this NH, in today's NHL that fits perfectly and he just works his tail off. Oh, he does. That's, uh, you know, along with a, a high level of talent on his, his compete level is off the charts. And he's really, he's really progressed as a, as an overall hockey player. You know, one of the things with, uh, Travis when he was younger was there were times where his, his feet moved faster than his head. You know, uh, he would go a hundred miles an hour and sometimes he didn't know where he was going. That, that was a long process, but he's gotten to the point now where, you know, that, that's really, that's not really his game anymore. He has, he has an idea of what he wants to do. Um, you know, every once in a while, have a bad shift. Everybody has a bad shift. But, you know, really the really way he's grown as a player and the level of consistency. Because, there, you know, I said, as he said, when, when he was younger, uh, Travis would have some really good games, some stretches of really good games, and then some stretches of games where, you know, he was doing things that, that weren't necessarily helping the team. Um, you know, now, now he's gone through those growing pains. He's still a very young player. He's locked up for a very long time to come with the contract they signed him to. And he's really blossoming. He's played in his first NHL All-Star game this year. You know, it's not that difficult of a prediction to say it's not his last. Yeah, no question about it. Bill, um, one of the things with this team, too, and the accolades are starting to come and people are really taking notice of the coaching job that Elaine Vigneault has done. But I don't want to leave it just at that because this is a, a coaching job that's being done by a committee. Now, he's the head, so he's going to get the glory, no doubt, and rightfully so. Uh, but he assembled a staff with Mike Yo, a former head coach who was with St. Louis uh, yep. last year, uh, with Michelle Tarian, who's been a head coach in this in the NHL, and, and a good one. And then you look at Ian LaPerriere still there, and then Kim Dillabaugh. A lot of times when you put guys that were head coaches before, maybe that wouldn't work. Why is this coaching staff of former head coaches and high-profile coaching figures in the sport having such success with this group? Well, and that's actually, that's been a, a characteristic of a lot of uh, Vigneault's coaching staffs. Even go back to Montreal, he had Dave King with him. In uh, Vancouver, he had Rick Bonus. In New York, he had uh, Arneal, and he had uh, Lindy Ruff. He's not afraid to have other guys who have been head coaches around him listen to their ideas and then come to consensus on, you know, on, on strategy. Um, and listen, I mean, uh, Terry and worked together with Yo in the Pittsburgh organization, of course, uh, Elaine has known um, Terry and for, for a long, long time. So the, the group gets along together. And that experience really, really counts. You know, I'm not, I'm not a guy who bashes the former staff, but, but you can see the value of experience with that group and their ability to make, to make adjustments and to put players in position to succeed, too. That's a huge part of it. Yeah, and every guy knows their role. I love I, Lindy Ruff. I haven't heard the name in so long, and I remember the old joke, Lindy at home and Ruff on the road. <laughs> he needs to be back in the league with Buffalo again or something, you know, or yeah. Dallas. <laughs> he was an absolute beauty. Uh, Bill, last question for you here on our your Saturday edition of Flyers Daily. Flyers are steamrolling uh, middle game of a three-game homestand against Buffalo coming up this evening. Uh, do they keep it going? Do they get to the nine and then – a chance for the 10 spot again against the Boston Bruins. I guarantee if they win 10 in a row this time, they're not going to miss the playoffs like a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah especially given how, how late it is in the season. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, the Flyers have had their couple of couple of uh, trap games. There was the one against uh, the one against Montreal. There was the one against New Jersey. I, I mean, I, I think the Flyers will. They've been finding ways to take care of business. Um, you know, I, I think they'll they'll do fine in Saturday's game. Although it is the third game in four nights, and they had that really emotional game, and then uh, you know another pretty good test on Thursday. So there is there is some risk of that game. Uh, you, you can't look ahead to what's going to be a really tough week playing Boston and then going to Tampa Bay. And you know, Tampa Bay starts a stretch of four games in six six nights. So those uh, you know, every point matters, especially you know down the stretch here. But yeah, I think I think the Flyers will get it to nine, and then we'll you know we'll we'll see where they're at on on Tuesday when they play Boston. That's certainly going to be a tough one. Yeah, and we'll see if Brad Marchand gets another shootout attempt, and if he can flub it. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at the NHL playoff probabilities. And it's funny because right now, for the wild card, the Flyers only have a 6% chance of landing the wild card. But because they're going to be in a top three spot in the division, their chances of making the playoffs, according to uh, hockey reference right now, how about 99.8? Was it just three weeks ago we were talking and the the wild card was at about 54%? So a couple weeks ago, you know, the Flyers had those all those home and home sets coming up. And these were teams that they were competing with that were in the wild card race. And the Flyers have taken care of business in those games, went ahead of some teams, and they started to create some distance. So it's, uh, you know, exactly what they needed to do. And, you know, uh, when the Flyers need Pittsburgh to lose or or Washington to lose, that's that's been happening too. Obviously, winning in Washington was huge as well. So, yeah, I mean, we're not even really, you know, you still have those teams in the rearview mirror. But listen, when you're when you're winning, it means you never have to look behind you in the standings. And the Flyers have been, been winning. So you just keep looking forward. Yeah, when you go three weeks in a row, three home and homes, three weeks in a row, and you go six and zero oh in those six yeah. games, wow! Uh, I want to throw one last stat by you because I, I rolled this out in uh, yesterday's episode. Uh, Flyers against the Eastern Conference are twenty nine nine and four on the season. Against the Metropolitan, it's best in the NHL of any team in the conference versus their conference. Uh, Flyers against the Metropolitan Division sixteen four and four, best in the NHL of any team in a division versus its own division. Those are incredible yeah. numbers to me. Absolutely, absolutely incredible numbers, and a huge turnaround from last year. They didn't beat Washington at all last year. Uh, you know, they, they didn't beat the Canes last year at all. So you know, oh, 10 and four around, against the top yeah. teams in the Metro last year. Right, and I mean that you know you turn that around this season, and obviously that's uh, where a lot of those those head to head points, those potential four point swing games. You know, you can't overestimate how important those are, and how much you might be kicking yourself later if you. Don't pick up a healthy number of points. The Flyers are just unbelievably well in those games. Um, you know, and then uh, they have a few they have a few interconference games left in the schedule too. But they have uh, you know have a, have a little bit of time to get there. I mean, they have uh, uh, like I said a tough stretch of four and six coming up, and they finish that with uh, St. Louis coming to town. So you know, the, one of the one of the really you know one of the great things about hockey, I guess, is the challenges never stop coming. You, you can never get complacent. That's, that's today's NHL without question. Yeah. Bill, thanks for doing this as always. Thanks for appearing on Flyers Daily. We love having you. And then do me a favor. Like I tell everybody at the end of every episode, enjoy your hockey.